Hey sisters, Christy here from Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. This is where we share our weekly book discussions with you so you can listen while multitasking or enjoying your favorite drink and reading along with us. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's grow. Hey sisters, I'm Christy, one of the co-founding sisters of Book Club Sisterhood. Welcome to Book Club. We are discussing chapters four through six of Unglued by Lisa Turkhurst tonight. Um, sorry, move the mic. So oh. hopefully everybody on the recording heard that, but Unglued, chapters four through six by Lisa Turkhurst we're reading tonight. So welcome. Um, thank you all for joining us live or on the recording. We're very happy that you're here. We're excited to discuss this tonight. Um, so we're going to talk about what kind of unglued are you? Chapter four talks about that, you know, what kind of unglued am I? And then we're going to talk about the two different kinds that she talks about are the exploders and the stuffers. So I can definitely see myself in a couple of these different categories. So if you guys want to share what category you are, if you don't, that's fine too. Um, if you're listening in, you can always comment below. <clears throat> so she starts off chapter four by asking if you're a stuffer or exploder. And then she kind of breaks those down into categories. So pages 45 through 51, she really talks a little more in depth about those, but then the next two chapters are all about that. So I'm gonna kind of give you the four categories and then we're gonna move on because she talks about those a lot in five and six. So uh, she said on 45, she does say, you know, I fall into all four categories. It depends on which relationship you're talking about. Um, you know, I have different relationships with different people. I'm definitely more of an exploder with my husband because it's very comfortable and we're, we know each other probably the best out of anybody. And it's just easier to go off on him because <laughs> it just is right. Um, so the four different categories are the exploder who shames herself, the exploder who blames others, the stuffer who builds barriers and the stuffer who collects retaliation rocks. Dangerous. <laughs> I do appreciate her vulnerability in these chapters because she definitely goes into some really, really big stories about how she's not handled situations well. So I do appreciate her openness in those stories from 45 to 51. So then on 52, she talks about soul integrity and she defines it as honesty that's godly. It brings, it's the bottom of 52. It brings the passion of the exploder and the peacemaking of the stuffer under the authority of Jesus, where honesty and godliness embrace the balance, embrace and balance each other. So under the authority is where the exploder and stuffer kind of meet. And that's hopefully where we're headed is that place. We're working on this imperfect progress and that's where we're hoping it'll take us throughout this journey. Because we talked last week, you know, we had to have, we have to take baby steps. It's not gonna be like one big step and you're done. It's gonna be very minimal progress. And you might like PJ, one of our members said last week, she's not here tonight. She said that sometimes you take five, six steps forward and then like three steps back. So it doesn't feel like that much progress but you really are making progress. And as long as you keep your eye on the prize, then you know that you're going to move in that direction. Um, we talked about proximity under pressure at church a while back. And he was talking about, you know, if you're facing God and you're pointing toward him, then you're going to go in that direction. Like you're going to go in whatever direction your turn 
in. So if you keep yourself and your, you know, your perspective turned toward him, that's where you're going to go. So this imperfect progress is kind of, you know, that's how, what she calls it because it's, it's not going to be perfect. And hopefully as long as you're moving in the right way, it'll be progress. So, all right. On 55, <clears throat> kind of that middle paragraph there, I'm going to take a couple sentences out of there. It says, our words must be spoken in the humility that comes from wisdom. And then a couple lines down, she says, when we are wise, we pause and measure our words to get to the heart of the situation without sabotaging the heart, sabotaging the heart of our offender. So I found this quote that says, a smart person knows what to say. A wise person knows whether or not to say it. <laughs> So taking that pause and thinking, you know, is this a feel good in the moment comment? Like, I'm going to feel good right now, but I'm probably going to regret it later. Or is it something constructive that'll help the situation? And she talks about this in chapter six too. Like, do you want to, are you trying to prove your point or are you trying to improve the situation or your relationship? But we'll talk about that more. And then, you know, kind of pose this question to yourself. Will I regret saying this or will it be helpful in the long run? Like, is this going to improve the relationship I have with this person or is this going to damage it? <clears throat> but that's how we have to have that wisdom from God to discern whether or not to say it or not. All right. On 56, she quotes James 3.17. So I wanted to read that. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. <clears throat> so that's what soul integrity is. That's what she's saying. Honesty, that is godly. And she says that in the next paragraph. Um, that's, again, that's what we're aiming toward. That's the direction we're going in. Um, but this wisdom is from heaven. It's pure. It's peace loving. That's one of the, a lot of these kind of mirror, you know, the fruits of the spirit that we talked about, you know, peace and being considerate or kind, being submissive, um, being full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So I like that she says like exploders are honest without being peaceful. And then the, um, the other one, the stuffers are peacemakers because they don't say what's on their heart, but they're not being honest because what's really on their heart is something that needs to be expressed. But maybe you just need to take a pause before you express it and come up with a a good way of saying what you need to say. So I like that the soul integrity is kind of both of those. Like you're being honest and you're being peaceful, like because you're being honest in a way that is godly. So, all right. And then she um, refers to the appendix on page 193 to 197. And I did flip back to that and it's a good assessment tool. Um, it guides you to look at a specific relationship that you have like say like with my husband. Um, it says, think of a person in your life, your mother, spouse, child, boss, etc., And then how do you deal with conflict with that person? So then you're either internal processor or external processor. And then you look at the next page on 195 and it says, think about how you handle addressing an issue with this person. Are you more likely to argue and have external expressor or are you an internal suppressor? So, and then on the next page on 196, it shows you, or 197, sorry. It shows you a nice diagram there kind of explaining which which type you are. So based on your answers to those questions. And I 
and it's going to be different with, with each relationship because I'm not going to be as vocal with my opinions and my thoughts with some people as I would with my husband because, you know, it's my husband. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the exploders. Um, on 63, so this is part of the exploder who shames herself. On 63, I love this quote. It says, sip the shame so you won't have to guzzle the regret. I love the symbolism there because you just want to take like a little sip of what might happen um, instead of like taking in all the regret after the fact. Do you guys ever like honk at somebody and then you're like, man, I wish I would have showed them Jesus instead of honking at them and <laughs> being all aggressive, like, dang it, that's the regret. That's guzzling the regret. You know, if I had taken a second and been like, okay, hold on, is this going to affect my life in five minutes? No. Let me just roll over it, not the other car. At the moment, you don't think of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. Like our emotions, our reaction, yeah. our our mind tells us how to respond. So that that momentary reaction is what causes the regret. So that's with exploders. That's a lot of the problem is they just like instinctly say what they need to say. But it's the wise pause we talked about in the last chapter you know, walking through what the result of your action will be can help you see that maybe it's the wrong reaction. Taking that pause and taking a moment to go, okay, let me think about this. Is this really necessary? Is this a, like, I'm going to feel good because I get it off my chest and I'm going to regret it later? Or is this going to be helpful to the situation and, you know, improve the relationship? All right, on 64, she's quoting Ephesians 6.12, and I want to read that. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we're standing against Satan, not each other. And I like that she brings up here, like, it's so easy to attack, attack the person that's in front of you. Instead of thinking, okay, maybe we're on the same team and we need to go after Satan instead, because he's really the troublemaker, right? It's not the person standing in front of you. He's the one causing trouble and he needs to be talked to very sternly. <laughs> on the bottom of 64, she says, when we dump herd into one another's lives, we aren't leveling the conflict scale. So we aren't against each other. That's what she's saying. Like, I'm not here in my offender is over here like we're not balancing each other out like oh she hurt me so now or maybe this way she hurt me so now I'm hanging down here so let me hurt her back to balance the scales we are just weighing down the person the people side of the scale because me and my offender are on the same side of the scale and then Satan's over here tipping the weight in his direction so instead of us being against each other we're on the same side and he's on the opposite side. So she's saying, we're just weighing down the people side of the scale, which is us, and elevating the Satan side of the scale. And I love this. Satan loves it when we do his work for him by dumping on each other. Because that's ultimately the goal, right? Because our, ward, our world is so torn against each other. We have wars over a lot of different things that could have been resolved if someone had taken a pause thought about it wisely and said, okay, maybe this can be resolved a different way. I'm sure not in every case, but 
there's a lot of things in this world that, I mean, Satan just kind of sits back. He's like, oh, they're just, they're going to do that for me. Okay. I'm just going to sit and watch. Let me get some popcorn. Um, this is going to be their show. <clears throat> so let's not help him, right? Let's bond together, come together and fight against him, not each other. Right. So I just love how she um, resolves this issue that she shared. Um, I believe this one was the one she got the email from the lady that said you should yeah shame on you <clears throat> so i like how she resolved this she kind of goes through her steps of how to resolve how she decided to resolve it um so she doesn't act rashly like she wanted to right she took a moment to think about it she took time read the bible and figured out how god would want her to respond and then on page 68 at the very bottom, um, I, I looked up Proverbs 15, 1, because I wanted to see what the whole thing said. Um, she said, no good ever comes from this. A gentle reply, on the other hand, turns away wrath. And that's what the verse says. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Then it goes on to say, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So when someone gets upset with you, and then you pop back at them with a reaction, right? Because it's like a spur of the moment, like, oh, you made me mad. I'm going to come back at you. It just stirs up more anger in them. It's not going to help the situation. That's what leads to war. You know, each person states their side and they can't agree on it. So they're like, all right, let's go fight. Um, so if you just take a second, take a deep breath, you know, weigh the, weigh the pros and cons, think about it a little more logically. I should have, I thought about, I have a tattoo on my arm, but I have long sleeves on. Um, and it says in French, it says the, the heart has its reasons that reason knows nothing of. It's like the heart does things for reasons that the brain can't understand. So that's what our reaction is. Our reaction is our heart moving, our emotions moving, and the brain's like, what are you doing? And that's why I think the regret kicks in because the your brain's like, what was that? Why did you just do that? You're out of control. What are you doing? So I should have worn short sleeves so I could show you. Let me see if I can get my sleeves up. <clears throat> And again, it says it in French, so can't really see it that well, but oh. there it is. I got that when I was a, a baby nurse, as we call it. That means a new nurse, not a nurse that takes care of babies, by the way. My husband was confused when I told him that I was in a big room full of baby nurses in orientation. He's like, they all take care of babies? I said, oh, no, they're fresh, they're fresh nurses. They've never been in a real life situation before. <laughs> no offense to them. I was one, been there, done that. No offense. It was just funny. Okay. So on 73, um, <clears throat> she says about halfway down, she says, his word seeping into my mind and my heart will accomplish things, good things, powerful things, things that will help me display self-control. That's how I access God's power. So that's why it's so important for us to read the Bible. We need to preach to ourselves sometimes. I do that a lot. <laughs> and remind ourselves of God's will for us. Because if you don't know what the Bible says, then that's not going to be your go-to. You're going to go somewhere else for wisdom. And it's not going to be good. <laughs> um, so just remember, you know, we're not battling each other, but the enemy. Because Ephesians 6 says to put on the armor of God. Our defense is our sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's what we have to use to defend ourselves. That's what we have to use to defend ourselves against the enemy when he tries to creep in and tell us lies. 
about how we should speak to and treat others. He wants you to explode yeah. onto others and cause a rift between us. Yeah. That's, that's when he sits back and goes, oh, well, you're just going to do the work for me. Cool. <laughs> um, and sometimes you have to use the word on him. I've had a moment where I felt like the enemy was trying to come at me and I'm like, no, sir. Like Jesus lives here. You need to back off. I was literally yelling at him, right? I was literally yelling at him in my car, crying, driving home from work one day. And I was like, no, you can get out. We had just watched the war room. If you guys haven't seen that with Priscilla Schreier, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. She walks through her house screaming, get out of here, Satan. You don't live here. Jesus lives here. You can just get out. And I felt like that was what I was doing in my car, but it really felt like he was attacking me. And I was like, no, Jesus lives here you can go take a hike and i started you know the devil comes to steal kill and destroy like you're not you're not welcome here you're not doing any of that right here jesus lives here he is the living water he is my foundation and you have no business here so out you go it was a good movie yeah it was i like it Lucilla. <clears throat> all right so in the middle of 74 she says, when we operate according to God's word, we operate according to God's will. Those two line up perfectly. God's word and God's will are always going to line up perfectly. That's how you know whether it's really his will or not. Because if you can go to the word and find something that contradicts what you think you heard from God, it wasn't God. Because he's not going to con contradict himself. Um, you can always be led toward God by reading his word. That's why it's there. It's our, it's our instruction manual. Um and that's just the best way place to go for answers on 75 she's talking about holy restraint and i like the kind of definition she gives here it's not just going to it's just it's not just ingesting the truth you have to digest the truth so she says i'm going to digest his truths by making them part of who i am and how i live so ingesting just means reading the bible if you read the bible every day okay, check a box, read my Bible. That's ingesting. When you digest, you take that in and make it part of your life and really dig in and see how it affects your life and how it applies to us. That's when you start digesting it. Be like, okay, it's hard. I'm in the first five chapters of the Bible right now, reading through the Bible. And it's hard because it's a lot of law it's a lot of counting all the people in the tribe of Jude of um, the tribes of Israel. And it's hard, but I have learned things from there. God's spoken to me different things like the podcast that I put out a couple weeks ago about the woman that was bleeding. Like God spoke something to me through Leviticus in that. And that kind of sparked me doing that podcast episode. And I hope that it reached someone and affected someone and helped them. So um, yeah, so I just read a few chapters of the Bible a day. I'm, I have, I found a plan where you can read it in one year and that's, and I'm reading it chronologically. Um, so that's why I'm starting with the laws of Moses right now. Um, and like I said, it's hard. It just doesn't feel like it applies to me. We don't sacrifice seven lambs and one ram and a goat. And, you know, for every time we sin anymore, they did not anymore. That was, yeah. that was reality, but we don't now. So it's hard to relate, but that's why I like to do a devotional or do some kind of like deep Bible study of a story. Like right now I'm doing a Bible study from Kelly Minter, which I highly recommend if you've never 
gotten anything or heard anything from her. Her last name is M-I-N-T-E-R. First name is Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. She's an amazing speaker. She does the Cultivate podcast. I highly recommend you look that up and start from the beginning. Start the very first episode. It is golden. I love her teaching. She's so good. But right now I bought her Finding God Faithful Bible study. And there's some videos that go through it this summer. Um, and I believe it's at kellyminter.com slash finding God faithful. You can find the link to get those videos for that. If you're interested in watching those videos, she's doing a summer Bible study program. Um, but it's about the life of Joseph and how it says over and over in the story of Joseph, how God was with Joseph and he was always with Joseph. He was with him in the prison. He was with him in the pit that his brothers threw him into. And he was also with him in the palace when he was working for Pharaoh, he was always with Joseph. And the crazy part is that Potiphar and the Pharaoh who are Egyptians and do not believe in God saw that he was different and saw that God was with him. It says that Pharaoh saw that God was with him when he doesn't even believe in God. So how does he see that he has God with him? It's just it's amazing to dig into. So I highly encourage you to read that Bible study if you're interested, but it really helps me to dig in and discover how Joseph's life, life, how Joseph's life is like mine and what I can draw from that. Cause it's really, it's really awesome because as we know from Hebrews 13, five, that he will never leave you or forsake you. So no matter if you're in a pit, if you're in a prison, if you are in a palace living it up he's always there he's the god of the valleys and the god of the mountain and a lot of times it's hard to see him when you're on the mountain you're like yeah i'm up here i'm rocking it i've got all these things god's blessing me but i mean i did some of this you know i think that i get some praise here too and that's where we can a lot of times lose sight because in the valley you're desperate you have nothing else to reach for um when you're up on the mountain you got to be careful too like you've got all these blessings coming at you, but you still got to, and that's what Joseph did. I mean, he was in the palace with the Pharaoh and he always, always was telling people about God and he was different. And it's, it's just really cool, really cool to dig into his story. So I highly encourage you to start a Bible study or a devotional or something and like dig in and see how God really wants to speak to you through that. All right. 77 and 78. She actually starts on 76, but she talks about different ways to be in the quiet. So finding the quiet, um, it's very countercultural to be quiet and listen and not snap back at people because people want to see a good fight, right? That's why reality television exists is because we want to see the good fight. We want to see drama. That's why desperate housewives of name 900 different cities exist because they all fight each other and they all have conflict and that's what our society loves. So that's why it's very countercultural to just sit in the quiet and reflect on what you're feeling and think about what maybe you should or shouldn't do. So it's hard, right? When we go against culture, it's harder to do that. But then we get back to that sip the shame instead of guzzling the regret. Because if you do the thing, if you snap back at somebody, you're going to regret it. I've, it's happened to me so many times, especially if, like I said, I'm a spirited driver. You keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I am a spirited <laughs> driver. That's what we're going with. Okay. You just, you just hush. Um, 
That's my mom. So I can tell her to watch. Anyway. You can. <laughs> I sure can. Um, I just did. <laughs> I am not going to say my age for your sake, but I'm an adult now. <laughs> I don't care. What do you, what? I don't know. I'm 30, 10. I'm 30, 10. Whatever. Hey guys, I'm 30, 10. <clears throat> also, I'm 38. That's what she was trying to put up 10 fingers instead of eight. <laughs> She's been up since 4 a.m. I will give her a pass on that. But anyway, just go into the quiet, find God there talk to him about your situation, read the Bible. That's going to be the best way to counteract your, your need to explode. Remember the other day when I used to <clears> something <throat> about uh, being in the car, just in the dark. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. I just sit there and pray. It's, it's quiet. It's dark. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. Yep. You yeah. feel, you feel, uh, oh, yeah. It makes me feel better. You know? Yeah. I go to work and, and I'm usually Me too. Yep. All right. So let's move on to the stuffers. Do you guys want to share? Are you an exploder or a stuffer? I'm both. But I can, you're both? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm both. Say that. It depends I'm on the situation and your relationship with the person. I exactly. can stuff it and then explode. <laughs> and yep, I think yep. <laughs> just like my son, if he's mad at me, and I'll say, and we're arguing, I'll say, back off and leave me alone. Let me walk away from this. But he's got to keep coming at me and coming at me and coming at feels. me until I say something that I regret saying. Yep. Yep. He's the exploder kind, huh? <laughs> he wants to keep oh, going. Yes. <laughs> he keeps going. <clears throat> yep. It's like over 4th of July weekend, we had a family reunion mm -hmm. and I was supposed to have West home at a certain time and I didn't know I was supposed to have him home at a certain time. So I got grounded from West for a week. <laughs> oh, well, who cares? <laughs> I, I, I didn't speak to him all week because I knew if I did, he would have exploded on me. So I just like, whatever. That's good. You whatever. pause. <laughs> got your wisdom about you. <laughs> That's good. My book helped me. <laughs> good. You had time to read while you were that is good. While you were restricted from it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. So let's dig into the stuffers. Okay, as chapter six. On page 84, she says open communication is the life-giving oxygen that fuels good relationships. So when my husband and I decided to get married, <clears throat> we decided that we had to have open communication. We were very open and honest with each other. Our first ever phone conversation was five and a half hours long. I actually, he fell asleep on me because it was overnight. I was working 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. So I usually just stayed up all night, but he had to work at like eight the next morning. And we were on the phone until I think four or five, like literally just about until the time that he had to go take a shower and get up and get ready for work. So he actually fell asleep on me and I called him back. I I've told him like, I still don't understand why I called you back. It was like three in the morning. How rude was I to call you and wake you back up knowing you had to go to work? I don't know why, but then we still talked for like two more hours. So um, <laughs> we had a very open relationship, not, okay, hold on, not open relationship, <laughs> open communication before we got married, but we just, yeah, we that we <laughs> I'm glad you, <laughs> not what I meant, um, a very closed relationship, <laughs> open conversation, <Really>? open communication. <laughs> um, so it, 
open communication is just vital to any relationship that you have. And we have had our hard times of communication. We've had our explosions. We've had moments of stuffing because I mean, we're two humans that are completely different and now living together constantly in contact. Um, and that's hard. It's hard to merge two completely different people into one home. And, you know, we would, we've started to bicker at times and assumed what the other was feeling without actually talking to them. But when we open up and we would like reveal what we were really feeling, we'd be like, oh, that's not at all what I thought you were thinking. Like, I'm sorry, I wouldn't have acted this way if I had known, but that's the whole point of open communication. It's going to make your relationship better no matter what. So. It's kind of like a text and a phone call. You never know how that other person is yeah. feeling because it's a text message and you don't know how to take it. Mm -hmm. Like, like, was there sarcasm there? Or were you being serious? <laughs> All right. So page 89 at the top, she says, my job isn't to fix the difficult people in my life or enable them to continue disrespectful or abusive behavior. So your job is not the outcome. Your job is not to fix them. You can only you know, be responsible for yourself. And that's what she's pointing out is that she says, my job is to be obedient to God in the way I act and respond to those people. So he calls us to love everyone, not just when we feel like it, we're supposed to love people, right? That's, that's, that's the difference between fighting against people and fighting against Satan. We were called to love other people not just when it feels right, not just when they're being nice to us, but all the time. And Satan is the enemy. Obviously, that's the one being in the whole universe that we're not supposed to love is Satan because he's up against us. He's on the other side of that weight trying to yeah. throw things at us to throw us off. So mm -hmm. on 93, <clears throat> this is what I was kind of talking about at the beginning. And I'm, am I trying to prove or improve? So are you trying to prove that you're right in the situation or is your desire to improve the relationship? So, excuse me. For anyone that may not know, my husband's gone through a bit of a transformation the last like nine months to a, probably closer to a year. Um, but before that, we he wasn't taking his medication and I tried asking him questions like, why aren't you doing this? Why, why aren't you doing what the doctor's telling you to do? And I think I was more trying to prove to him that he had a problem rather than improve the situation. So he didn't see that as helpful. He saw that as me coming at him because I wasn't asking the right questions. I wasn't asking in the right way. And it wasn't until I gave up control completely to God. I literally sat on our porch and I just bawled my eyes out and I said, I'm done what I'm doing clearly isn't working. I'm not in control here. You're in control and I can't do this anymore. And that's when I feel like God started giving me the right perspective to have and the right questions to ask and the right, um, even like body language and the way I approached him that changed. And then he started to change. And I think God was working on him too. I'm not saying that I did any of this. This was not me whatsoever. <laughs> Um, but I feel like God turned, turned my head a little bit and said, be a little more gentle, maybe do things for him 
that you see that need to happen instead of telling him all the things he's not doing? Why don't you lift him up instead of beating him down? Because that's what I was doing. I was telling him, well, you didn't take your medicine. You didn't go to your doctor's appointment. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. I had to stop myself and say, that's not what he needs right now. What he needs is someone to love on him and lift him up. And God put that on my heart. And I started telling him like, thank you for making the bed because he works nights. So when I would go to bed at night, it was always so nice to have my bed made because it just like, you could just slide under the covers and it was just nice. And he always sprays his little body spray in our room before he goes to work. And I said, you know what? The room smells like you and you made the bed and you just made it very welcoming for me. So thank you. So things like that started to change. Like I started with different questions that I was asking or different intention of how I asked the question. So that's, that's how you go from trying to prove that you're right. Cause I was trying to prove to him that he had a problem to improving the relationship that we have. And like I said, none of that was me. I think God put it on my heart to change how I treated him. And that changed everything because I, I could see a difference in him. And like I said, I think God was hundred percent working on him too. I know he was, and I know he is because I've seen more changes recently that are very encouraging. Um, <clears throat> so on 97, she's talking about feelings, nothing more than feelings. I'm not going to sing. My throat is a little like weird anyway, and it, it wouldn't be pretty. So in the middle of 97, <laughs> she says, she said this a couple times in this book. I just haven't talked about it yet, but she says feelings should be indicators, not dictators. So they're a good starting point to tell us where our heart is. But as she says on 99, God gave me more than just a heart to use in processing life. He gave me a mind as well. So that's kind of like my tattoo says, you know, the heart has its reasons that reason knows nothing of like the heart does stuff that the brain doesn't understand because it's like, why are you acting like this? You're acting like gut reaction instead of thinking about it and being wise about it. Um, so that's why we need wisdom. So let's not forget, I did this on purpose this time. I have my bookmark with our memory verse, but I really felt like it, it goes well for the end of this because I want to not forget what a noble woman is described in Proverbs. So the Bible says, <clears throat> Proverbs 31, 26, our memory verse this month says, when she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. So I felt like that was kind of a good ending to our chapters tonight because we've been talking about having wisdom and not just acting with our heart, but also with our mind. So that's all I got, guys. Mm -hmm. That's the end of this discussion. <laughs> mm -hmm. So next week, we're going to do chapter seven, eight, and nine. We need a procedure seven, manual for sure. My kid placemat life should be interesting. And The Empty Woman are the titles of the chapters for next week. So um, that's it. What do you guys want to pray for this week? For my son. He's still battling with his diabetes. My kid placement. And my other son's going to court on the 29th to hopefully get full custody of his son. Okay. And then I go in for surgery on the 21st. What do you have for my mouth? For my mouth. Oh. I got to have teeth pulled. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Oh my goodness, you have so much coming, going. So much on your plate. July, what date? 21st. 21st for me. Okay. It's Wednesday. What's your son that has diabetes? Tell me his name again, sorry. Ryan. Ryan. And your son that's going to court? John. John. Okay. I call him JJ. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Nella, do you have anything? No. No, I'm fine. Mama? Yeah. I was, uh, oh, sorry. You're okay. We've been talking about John and Tracy the last um, couple months, yeah, month or so, but that's uh-huh. our friends from church. And um, John is home. He is still has medical care that he has to have. Um, still going to doctor's appointments, of course. Um, but he got run over by a bush hog uh, about what was it, like six or eight weeks ago. Um, but he's home. He's walking, which the doctor said that he wouldn't do for a very long time. We actually got to see, we, we went out to see them last night and had dinner with them. Um, and she, his wife, Tracy showed us pictures and it was, it's bad. What's a bush hog? He's, it's like a mower. He was riding the tractor and had the bush hog that actually like, it's a, I I think it's a rotating, like it cuts the grass. Oh, you have a lot of land and you want to get a lot of it cut in a short. Oh, okay. Okay. I've got it. It's big and it attaches to the tractor. And yeah. cuts a lot of grass at one time. Oh, okay. Somehow, I don't know how that happened. He flipped off of it. And yeah, he like flipped out of his seat. Flipped over on him. Mm-hmm. He must, have, yeah. Yeah. So there's so many miracles that God has worked in this story. And she was kind of talking us through it a little bit last night. And it's just, it's so amazing, guys. God is so good. And I mean, I've seen miracles in my life, but I mean... Yeah, that's this. How everything lined up. Like he really shouldn't have his leg right now, but because he was at the hospital, he was at. He had the treatment team that he had. He he's walking on both of his legs. Oh God! Telling you, we saw pictures last night, and it was it was bad. It it wasn't hanging on by much, but they were able to. His leg was hanging Mm. on by two blood vessels. Yeah. So we're just going to keep praying. He has a lot of pain. Um, they're obviously trying to get back to somewhat kind of normalcy, but I mean, he's got. How uh, many kids do they have? They have three. Three. Yeah, they're adorable. The boys had a lot of fun playing with them last night. So. Oh, that's good. That's so, yeah, nice. Tracy and the kids found him out in the field. So, yeah, just, just pray mm. for all of them for sure. <clears throat> yeah. So. He will. All right. Let's pray. Oh, yes. Another member of our church, sorry, is um, going to be having her baby pretty soon. So let's pray that everything goes well for them. She's a little early yet. I think she's due in August. So just pray for everything to go well. Yeah. Everything goes well. Yeah. I have a coworker that uh, I don't know how long ago it's been, but she found out she has cancer, breast, uh, breast cancer. They mm. surgery. They did a lumpectomy. And the doctor says he got it all, um, but she's still on radiation. She just takes a pill, but just pray that they did get it all and, mm-hmm. you know, it won't come back. What's her name? Yeah. Roxley. So much. Okay. Let's pray. And unspoken. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> 
Dear Lord, thank you so much for this group of women that are here live and that are also listening to the video or the podcast recording. Lord, we're so thankful that you reached out to them and help them to listen to this discussion. God, I just pray that it meets them where they are and that they, that all of us can feel your spirit right now and feel you with us. Cause we know that we're in two or more are gathered. You're there with us, God. And we just love you so much. And we thank you that you're always with us and you never leave us. Lord, I pray for Ryan as he um, tries to get his diabetes under control. <clears throat> please help him, God, to manage that well. Lord, please help JJ as he goes to court over custody of his son. Lord, we just pray that he gets to get custody so that his son can be raised with family that loves him. Lord, we pray for Shelly as she goes in for oral surgery in a couple weeks. Lord, we just ask that you keep her safe, keep the surgeon's hand steady, and take care of what needs to be fixed, God. We continue to pray for John and Tracy, God. We, we see all the amazing miracles that you've worked in his life. It's truly just every step of this has been all glory to you. God, we, we can't figure out how things lined up the way they did except because of you. And we just give you all the glory and all the praise in that, in that whole situation, God. And we know you have such an amazing thing that you're working on through him and through Tracy and through the kids, God. We just ask that you stay near to them uh, as we know that you will um, and just help them as they continue to go through doctor's appointments and medical care, help guide them where they need to go, God. Um, we just ask that you cover Jasmine, Lord, be with her as she's um, working toward the end of her pregnancy, God. We know that there's a lot of things going on in her life right now, God, and we just ask that you be with her and help her to always look toward you. She has a very strong faith, God, and I'm just so thankful to see her beautiful faith. Lord, we ask that Roxy can also um, just be near you, God. We ask that she has a strong faith and that you get her through this hard time with her cancer as well. Lord, we pray for mom's unspoken as well as all the unspoken requests, God. We know that we don't have to speak them out loud because you know what's on our heart and you know what we need, God. We just thank you and praise you and we just ask that you guide us through this week, help us to see you in every step that we take and help us to always turn our eyes and our heads toward you and to take a moment to have wisdom and not to explode or stuff our feelings, but to take care of the situations the way that you would want us to, Lord. It's all in your name I pray. Amen. 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 Nice. I hope you have a great week. Yeah. Love you all. Love you you Bye, guys. Nice. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of BCS Podcast. We hope you found what you needed in this week's episode and that it blessed you. If you would like to chat more, please join our Facebook group, Book Club Sisterhood. And if you would like to subscribe to our box, go to bookclubsisterhood.com. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Have a great week, sisters.